0: Welcome to episode three of Mike and Enzo's Culture Cast, where we discuss Enzo's love for the Albanian flag, Mike's fashion choices, and our mutual appreciation for Scandinavian nudity. to Mike Culture Cast. I'm Mike Frost. And I'm Enzo Rossi. All right, thanks. We're so glad to have you back on this, our third episode. And I think we have a a whole lot to talk to you about tonight. I guess the first thing to say is uh, apologies that we didn't make it last week for recording, but that was deliberate. It was not laziness, uh, Enzo had a big milestone in his educational career. What happened last weekend?
1: Well last week I had my final uh, exam for my masters, I still have to hand them in my thesis so I still have a long way to go, but yes, uh, it's my fault, I had to study quite a bit. So yeah, but now I don't have any more exams to take. Final
0: exam, how long yeah. was your final exam? It was a 6
1: hour long exam, which is something that I must say I'm not used to at all, i had never had such a
0: long exam for anything in my life. Yeah, that sounds actually miserable and to make matters worse I understand. And uh, it happened to be a day of importance for you as well <laughs> Yes, it was
1: right till my birthday Yeah, what better birthday present yes, than yes, a six yes, hour yes, exam yes, yes. I had the great gift of six hours sitting down writing things down I mean, who does six hour long exams? I mean, I, <laughs> I cannot know, that understand that But sounds, you know.
0: That sounds, uh, well, both miserable And like a way to really verify that you know the topic, I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so We'll see, if you don't pass, then we can definitively say sorry Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, at least It
1: it kind of distracted from the fact that I actually turned 30. So, you know, it it helped me forget. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's good. It was a milestone in many senses.
0: All right. Well, uh, congratulations on that. And we're glad to be be back. We gave uh, Enzo the week off so he could be prepared for the six-hour exam. But we're gonna lead off today our topic actually with a story that happened to you last week, right? Yeah, and it happened like I think it was the day before my exam. Actually, I was I was going to take the
1: Tebane, which actually means the underground uh, rail traffic here. in Yeah, Oslo. the metro, yeah. the subway. subway Depends on tube. where you live, the tube. What you're gonna yeah, call it? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. El subte. I don't know what you want to call yeah. it, but essentially, these tubes where you shuffle in. All these commuters that are going to work on the bowels of the city. Yeah. And I was just sitting there waiting for it. And some some guy just walks up to me and says, are you, You're from Albania. I'm like no Albania were you speaking Albanian at the time I was not speaking <laughs> did Albanian did you have like an Albanian flag I don't really know uh, yeah well I did not but after I looked up the flag and I saw what it looked like I wish I did it's pretty badass flag. <laughs> it's like red with like a massive cool black eagle that looks pr- properly oh, yeah. you know regal yeah it was pretty cool I like Albanian flag but anyway the guy just asked me he just asked me that and then he's like what you look like you're Albanian. And then he just turns around and walks away. That, that was it? That was it. Another that was problem. the whole interaction. It was really strange. It was a bit surreal. So then I started... What did chewing. the guy... Was was he Albanian? Um. Well, no, the guy was Norwegian, or you know, how do you know? I, he at least he looked Norwegian, mm. you know. So yeah, he looked Norwegian. You looked Albanian. Well, I'm pretty sure he looked Norwegian. Yeah. yeah. So do you think I was?
0: I'm doing the same thing to him. That's my question. So I saw you had actually put this on Facebook, and it got me to thinking because you had you had posted it in a way to kind of say, oh, this Norwegian guy, you know, he assumed I was from. From Albania, because I have dark hair or whatever. But uh, but I asked you where he was from, and of course you were making an assumption he was from Norway. Who knows where this guy was? Yeah, from? yeah. but I mean, there's one. I mean, was he eating lutefisk at the time? He was not. He was not. But did he was, have no. a Norwegian flag? I
1: think there's a fundamental difference between my attitude and his, though, because I did not walk up to him and s- ask him where he was from, or no, at no, least no, you no, know, n- not even just ask where he was from, but rather to say, "Are you from this one particular place?" But I, I'm pretty sure he was Norwegian. I don't know. I'm I'm doing the same thing. Okay. Guess. I'm just assuming now. But what do you think his assumption was based on? Why do you think he asked? You? I don't know. I think he probably knew someone that kind of looked like me mm-hmm. at some point, and he was from Albania. I think his words were: "Oh, you look Albanian. Had you you. look like you would you would be Albanian." So I don't know. Maybe he had some strong links to the Albanian community. And do
0: you has this happened to you before in Norway? Has anybody ever well, thought I, you looked like any anything? Have they asked you where you're well, from? Um i I can't think
1: of it has happened in Norway before but lots of people lots of times people just ask me where I'm from and that's fine but often they they they, they, they try to guess and they just give a country you know uh, you look Spanish or you look Italian and you know those two kind of make sense because I do have Italian or Spanish ancestry right uh, Brazilian I also have a Brazilian grandpa father so you know it would also make sense. What else? What's the weirdest one I've heard? Uh, lots of people, th- when I have a big beard, people think I'm from the Middle East. <laughs> Actually, if I'm, yeah, ta- if I'm yeah. tan, then I have a beard, people think I'm from the Middle East. So, Sorry, so yeah.
0: let me tell you, 100% of the time, uh, having moved to Norway, you know, back uh, uh, not quite a year ago, 100% of the time when I show a Norwegian a picture of my family, yeah, they have said, Oh, your kids look Norwegian. Yeah, yeah. Every single one of them. Was it the blonde hair or the blue eyes? Yeah, so my, children, my <laughs> children have uh, blonde hair. They have blue eyes. My wife has blonde hair uh, and blue eyes. And yes, that is that is the comment every every time, which not, it's not that we're on the topic of like, oh, do they look Norwegian? It's uh, that we're talking about my family, and I say, oh, here are my kids. And they say, oh, your kids look Norwegian. Like, it's a very, it's yeah. a first thing. My,
1: my, my question is, how do they say it? Do they say it as an observation, or do they say kind of like a compliment?
0: Yeah, it's. Doesn't it, sound it, kind of, it, like it, a compliment the way they say it. It almost sounds approving, like, yeah, "Oh, uh, hey, I'm awesome. all right." You're Once
1: this to look lady told, me, I, I had a big beard, and one lady came up to me and told me, "Huh, <laughs> maybe if you didn't have a beard, you would actually look Norwegian." And it sounded very much like she was trying to be <laughs> like, complimentary, like right? To help
0: you, like, yeah, ah, you uh, almost uh, could be.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I don't want to look Norwegian. I'm, I'm happy the way I look. Whatever that is, you know. Yeah, it was weird. It was so, weird.
0: so what do you think? What, what is this topic we're discussing then? What, what do you? Where, where does this lead us? I think it's 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 interesting, because on the one hand,
1: being from, you know, America is such a diverse continent that no one in the whole continent, you can say, you're from X ethnicity. It's very hard to pinpoint, because we have had so many mixes. I mean, pretty much anyone in the United States, and most people in Latin America, when you go through their family tree, you see so many countries mixing up, and then, you know, How can you tell where someone is really from when they come from countries that are absolutely Mm. based on immigration,
0: right? Yeah, so I I guess I have a couple of stories that this made me think of. So one is that, you know, when I lived in in Chile, then, uh, you know, I was very, uh, apparently, noticeably uh, from the United States. They would Mm. refer to me as... A gringo. Yeah, of course, I was a gringo, right? Yeah. Which actually is kind of interesting, given that Chile actually has some very gringoish looking well, people. Yeah, I mean,
1: isn't th- about 30% of Chile's population of English descent? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm
0: actually, I wonder often, to myself, if those uh, those Chileans who look more gringo-ish, do they also get harassed, like I got harassed in Chile? I'd say do, depending do on do how they eat their completo. Uh, it could be, it could be. But But the funny thing was... Um, you know, of course, they would always ask, "Oh, you're from you're from Gringolandia, you're from uh, Los Estados Unidos." And I had a friend who was a black American, right? Yeah. And uh, they would ask him where he was from. Always, I mean, first of all, there are not that many black people in Chile, yeah, so course. like he stood out like a sore thumb. In fact, he was very tall, and so Chileans would yell at him from across the street. I mean, they would see him and they'd just be like, "Wow!" You know, they would yell, "Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan!" They would, you know, because <laughs> wow. he was he just stood out to them. And they would always ask first question, where are you from? Yeah. And he would always say, I'm a gringo. Uh-huh. And they would always laugh every time. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a gringo. Where are you from, Brazil? Yeah. They didn't believe where he was from. No, that was always the response. Yeah. You must be from Brazil because
1: you are black. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I, there was this uh, there's a, this guy who always tells me the story about his friend from Korea, who was not actually from Korea. He was from Argentina. But his parents were Korean, but he was born in Argentina, spoke Spanish with a heavy Argentinian accent, and then when people asked him, and he said he was from Argentina, no one would believe him, right? It's, yeah. it's,
0: it's insane. It is, it's really interesting. So I guess what we're saying here is that, you know, there's, uh, is as multicultural as a place seems, it it's often the case that you know, there's some uh, pre-informed opinion about who's actually from a place. Right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, like you, there's you, some legitimacy to you looking like you belong there.
1: Yeah, you, you just assume it. I mean, mm-hmm. you just assume that someone from one country is going to look this way or this other way, I think. And that, uh, and, and that gets more and more complicated as, as time passes, right? I mean, uh, I actually asked an Albanian. Asked them if I looked Albanian, because I wanted to check, you <laughs> yeah. know, after I saw that like, cool so you, you found an Albanian? Yeah, I found uh, a ah, That I've ever met
0: an Albanian. Really? I mean, what are they yes.
1: supposed to look like? Do you look like one? Well, I asked them, and she was like, well, I wouldn't say you look generally Albanian, but there's probably quite a few Albanians that look kind of like you, because, you know, we are of a, quite a diverse population. I looked it up, apparently... Do, do Albanians speak with their hands a lot? Well, a lot of Albanians <laughs> speak pretty good Italian.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So A lot perhaps. of Albanians do.
1: And you, people listening to Posca can't can't really see it, but my hands yeah, are usually yeah, yeah. everywhere. Enzo
0: waves his hands around. Well, I mean, coming from Uruguay and you have Italian descent, that's you the have, only way. Uh, you, you actually have an Italian passport. I do, I so do. You, you I have, have, have Italian in you, right? Officially, I'm Italian. Italian, but
1: if you ask an Italian, they'll probably say I'm not. Not but, quite. You know, it's yeah. fine. Uh yeah, I can't speak
0: without moving my hands. I feel mm. like I'm gagged. Mm. I mean I just don't know what to Not do. Not that them. I'm sitting here with my hands in my pocket. I also do as well. But it's uh. one of those things that, you know, you look at another person and and I think it's very natural to try to uh, you know, decide where they're from, what where, where they, what their mannerisms, mannerisms mean about them, what what they, you know, what their language sounds like. I mean, people do this. Yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah. we're not casting yeah. aspersions here, right? No, this no is everyone status. does it. I do that. I yeah. mean, and even even people from people from their own country. I mean, when you hear someone
1: speak, you you in, immediately try to find what cl- social class they're from, what kind of education they have. I mean, where in the country they're from, even in small countries. I mean, that's just something natural. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you do that? I think people find it easier to put other people in little boxes, you know? I mean, we humans are complex creatures, right? I mean, it's very hard for me to actually understand you for you to actually understand me. But when we kind of compartmentalize different aspects of a person, it just makes it easier to understand, I think. And yeah. I, don't, I think that's just a cognitive thing that we do automatically. I don't
0: think, it's not unique to what we do to people, right? I think that humans, we classify things. That's Everything. what we do, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a heuristic, it's a way of... Of You know, a shorthand for understanding the world around you. If you had to describe everything from a beginning point, it would take way too long. Yeah. Right? Uh, you you, you want to kind of jump ahead in your understanding. And so we do it with people just like we might do it with, with anything else. We try to put them in some kind of category that's a shorthand for us to know more about them. Yeah,
1: exactly. We, we just put things into good and evil, left-wing, right-wing, uh, tall and short. Yeah. We just kind of find a way to classify If it doesn't them. fit that category, it's a bit
0: uncomfortable for us, Yes, yes, it, right? yes, no, it
1: does, no, because no. then you just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. You don't know what to think. And the truth is, most things do not fit those categories. I mean, um, any category we can come up with is imperfect and irrelevant almost. But we still try, we still force things in one place or another.
0: Well, and do you ever notice that the, the initial conversations that you have with anybody seem to be about categories? I mean, the first mm. questions they're going to oh, ask what do you, you are: yeah, what do huh. you do? Where are you from? How many people are in your family? Whatever it is, it's going to be these kind of these questions that that underlying them is an assumption that your answer is going to help me typify you. I'm going to be able to classify you. Oh, Enzo studies this, he's from there, he speaks this, so now I know who he is.
1: And then we kind of make up our own list of categories that we like. Mm -hmm. And then we see if people kind of roughly fit those categories, then we put them on the list of people I'd like to hang out with a little bit more. People you you might like. Yeah, and it's problematic because if you think about it, this whole categorizing people thing has gone all the way back to the very concept of nation-states. I mean... Uh, let's group all the people from the same ethnicity or from the same culture or from the same geographical area and all of a sudden make a country there. Mm. And that,
0: that actually, so that's a really interesting point and maybe that gets us closer to what our, our topic is or isn't today. But, you know, I work, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, I work a lot in sub-Saharan Africa. Mm. Um, and sub-Saharan Africa, if you take a look at the map and, you know, you get a, a proper projection, you'll There's see... lots that, of
1: straight lines in there. Oh my goodness,
0: I mean? lots of straight lines and lots of really large countries... And you'll go to a place like Ghana, and there are, I, I don't even know, I'll, I'll be wrong on this, but more than a 100 local languages mm-hmm. in Ghana. Yet they've drawn a box around Ghana from in the colonial yeah. time period to say, oh, this is Ghana. The this people Ghana. that live within it are Ghanaian.
1: Yeah, right? But if you look, if you go far back in the past, the concept of Ghana was not really yeah. there, was No, 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 that?
0: it didn't even exist as a concept. And, and people, you know, that actually were of potentially groups that really disliked each other mm-hmm. are, are lumped together and, and said, you both are Ghanaian now because, you know, with, we're the colonial power, we draw a line here, we've given, you know, the, the country next door f- to France and you are ours and you're Ghanaian, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a really, uh, so, so in that sense... Again, you can see that it's a very human tendency to try to divide things and classify things and categorize things, but it's it's not always benign, right? There's not there there are problematic aspects to this need and interest for humans for categorization. Yeah, of course,
1: of course. And you know when you, and when you when you take when you take colonial uh, empires into account, that's 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 even worse because the the sole uh, the sole uh, criteria for categorizing things in this case was what do I want for me and what's convenient for my for my uh, crown to have. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very problematic. But if you go back to Europe even, uh, you know, uh, less than 12% in pre-revolution uh, France actually spoke uh, fluent French, for example. What did they speak? Oh, they speak lots of little regional dialects. Same in Italy. The Italian language, as, as a language for the whole of Italy, only started picking up in the 1940s. With television. I mean, the end of the 1940s, of course, after World War II. Before that, there was Napolitan, there was Lombard, and, you know, not, right now what we call Italian is actually the, the dialect of, of, of where Dante was from, of Florence and all that area, because that's what they considered to be the, the high Italian, essentially. But mm. before then, before Italy became Italy, in the you know, in the late 1800s, there was no Italy. There was the Italian Peninsula there, and then lots of small city states and nation states and provinces that were kind of just doing their own thing.
0: So have you ever read this book, uh, "Imagined Communities" by Benedict Anderson? Does that I have about not. You? No, so this not one. About. It's really interesting. This is one I read in, in graduate school, and he uh, he puts forth this idea that. We are imagined communities. Not that it's not real, but Mm -hmm. that we we end up imagining ourselves as a community and that that has some kind of meaning to it. So he he really relies on the concept of, like you're saying, language. And he talks about how uh, kind of when the printing press came to be and when ideas started being disseminated, you know, over uh, over the printed medium, Hmm. that people started to have a shared concept of who they were, yeah. which helped broaden a community beyond kind of these little tiny Be- enclaves because, like you about. Because you're talking they had about. something to relate because to each other. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's like a national dialogue going course, on which helps course. define us, yeah. right? And people that aren't a part of that dialogue are them, right? They're not, mm-hmm. they're not reading the same things or thinking the same things, and you know, that helps define kind of this imagined community. Hmm. And I, I guess so
1: so, so. so the countries actually used that to their advantage, or do you think that was more organic? Well, no.
0: So it's it's actually it's really interesting to think about that. I, it, I think it totally depends on the part right. of the world that you're in and what of course. what what history uh, you're talking about. It's very clear that uh, you know the colonial powers used language um, as leverage. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, they required, for example, you know, the the British as a colonial power. They used English, and they they gave preferential treatment to anybody that could speak English. And of so you'll see remnants of that in I like East
1: Africa. It st- I like it's still been done today, pretty much. Anyway. Yeah, it's still, still being
0: done. But but you can see, for example, in East Africa, they brought over this you know Indian population, oh, of course, to yeah. to run their businesses. They could speak English, and so you know, sort of like a Mandarin type no. uh, secretariat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you have this group of, you know, kind of privileged outsiders but that speak the appropriate language and so they get the benefit of the colonial power whereas the local people speaking Kiswahili or any of the other uh, local dialects, they're, they're just kind of suppressed and not given those opportunities because the language is different.
1: No, I mean, I happen to live in Paraguay and Paraguay is, well, one, it has one particularity which is the only uh, bilingual uh, South American country that is officially bilingual uh, in which they speak uh, Guarani and Spanish. But if you actually look at things, there are no official policy documents in Guarani. Uh, there are very few people that only speak Guarani that are actually in a position to 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 work in the government or to work as a teacher or to have any of that type of real influence. So in a real, in in a way, Spanish is really the only official language, even though officially, officially, you know. So air quotes marks. Well, and it's, also So language it's language.
0: interesting though that because those language lines also often correspond correspond to some kind of look, some kind of expected look. So in, in Chile, for example, mm-hmm. um, there's you know they have a lot of derogatory things to say about their native peoples. There's mm-hmm. a couple of of, of uh, kind of uh, Native Americans that would have lived in the area, the Mapuche and others, yeah. which it's they they treat it like a giant insult the more that you look like you are a native person the less mm. native that you look the the you know the the better it is in some sense and the language as well if you start it so the one time that i had a knife pulled on me in chile was when a uh, a guy had, had yelled at me in and in a the guy i was with on the street and he yelled out some some english swear words at me and my my friend with me turned around and said what's that i don't speak mapuche and that guy i mean in an instant, he was so angry that you would dare call him a Mapuche because he wow. sounded Mapuche, and he came at us and he pulled out a knife. I mean, this was this was the most offensive thing you could have said to him. Yeah. Which is it's it's interesting. Yeah, but when you think about
1: it, is is it that surprising that a majority of population would would turn against a minority in their own country? I mean, that's. That's a, that's almost a recurring theme in the world. I mean, I can't think of a country where there is a majority population and there is a minority population where the minority population is not treated unfairly. I well, mean, yeah, even yeah. here in Norway, do you know about the Samis, for example?
0: So I don't know a lot about the Sami. What can you? Well, up to
1: very up to very, it was only like in the last ten years that the Norwegian king actually apologized for the fact that uh, Samis were uh, up until the eighties or seventies. I can't remember exactly. Were forced to learn uh, Norwegian. Uh, in Sweden, there were even some uh, there were in some pretty uh, some pretty bad eugenics programs that were pushed towards the Sami. I mean, there was some pretty bad stuff. I mean, it, it's just whenever there's a bunch of people that are of one, call it ethnic group, call it culture, call it. what like you were saying before, right? When a we becomes a we, and there's a of some day in there, yeah, and there's day. less day than we, they, they get screwed.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, it's interesting, but it's also the case, you know, of course we see in in kind of uh, constitutional democracies, we see more and more interest in, in human rights and protection for minorities and whatnot, and so in the United States, there are all kinds of uh, policies of attempting to legally uh, provide some benefits to minority communities, whether yeah. it's educational or otherwise, and, and uh, it's interesting because it's very controversial, of course, people yeah. always... Refer to it as kind of reverse racism if they are critics of it or other things because you are objectively noticing a difference about somebody and rewarding them for that. Yeah. But it's you know you're trying to do it in a positive way, recognizing that there's there's something about society that undermines their ability to participate fully, and so you're trying to correct that. Yeah. But it's it's interesting the way that it plays out. So just as a as a story of that, I have a friend, uh, a really good friend. Uh, that uh his his i don't know ethnicity whatever you want to say his 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 ancestry is from uh Quebec. Mhm. Um so he's he's French Canadian but looking at him actually he he would be very similar in type to you. I think mm-hmm. he's 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 a dark-haired guy, he has a big uh, thick kind of beard and he passes like you were just saying, you know, sometimes Middle Eastern sometimes he's seen as Hispanic whatever it is. And uh he had uh, his daughter uh, at the hospital to have their new baby. And the hospital in Reno, Nevada, filled in her birth certificate ahead of time as Hispanic. Oh, wow. You see, I have a
1: big problem with the term Hispanic, even. Because the term Hispanic makes no bloody sense. (laughs) I mean, Hispanic is not an ethnic term. Hispanic is a cultural term. I mean, Hispanic comes from Hispania, which is a peninsula, which is essentially people from the Hispanic peninsula, right? And it's the term for the language. So how can they... Assume someone's ethnicity so, on how they, someone's true. cultural or how yeah, they yeah. Look. No, it's interesting Ugh. because
0: these these things often come, I think, from attempts at being culturally sensitive. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> well, they could just ask. Right? There's I a mean, great there's a great uh, episode of The Office in in the U S. where they're they're trying to you know have this cultural conversation in the oh man Michael class. Scott Michael Scott yeah <laughs> there's a guy that's from Mexico and Michael Scott says. What do you prefer to be called? You know, uh, you know what? What's a good term for you? And he says, "Well, you know, Mexican." And he says, "Yeah, it's something with less of a negative connotation oh, wow. to that it." That is horrible. Which is, but it's actually it's very true. People in the U.S. trying to be sensitive would avoid using the term Mexican, even though clearly there Wait, are what, 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 millions what of people from Mexican? Mexico who are Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I find it very annoying because.
1: Uh, on the one hand, you have the term Latin or Latino, which I don't know why you guys say Latino instead of Latin, because that annoys me as well.
0: And then wait a minute, now I need I to do. know
1: what should we call you? I, I
0: should be called Enzo for starters. No, 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 right. <laughs> we we have to have a group. You call me a Gringo. What? what in the world should I, I don't a call you? Gringo. A you call, gringo. call you me call Mike. What, okay, which, <laughs> as a group, do you see a well, group, a common group from South America okay, where the, Spanish the, speakers The, the, the American main the main problem comments.
1: the main problem with that is that if you if you have to categorize people because of their ethnicity. You have a problem with South America because no one is from one s- single ethnicity. Everyone is mixed. I mean, there are some people that are more from another, but that's more of a genetic lottery than anything. I mean, my mom is blonde and has a green eyes. I mean, I'm 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 pretty dark. My dad is much darker than me, so you know it. But none of those things have anything to do with my ethnicity, right? But Hispanic is. I hate that term because it makes no sense. If so, did, Do you want South so, American? Do yeah. you
0: want Spanish speaking? Do you want just Uruguayan? What do you want? Well, I think the main
1: problem is, are we talking about ethnicity or are we talking about culture? Well, they start to... do two different they, things. But
0: they blur, right? No, but they don't. But see, they we don't. humans, we, really need, we need our shorthand. We need to know yeah, someone. Yeah. I'm introducing you to somebody and I say, this is Enzo, he's... Yeah.
1: I'm Enzo. I'm just Enzo. Just I mean, I think you. the whole concept of having to, to, to narrow down my whole cultural and, and ethnical identity into a box that says, I don't know, because usually the terms that they have is Latino or Hispanic, and it's one or the other, and both of those are very different things, okay? And I really can't feel any. So I always just put, whenever I have to do something related to the U.S., because they have always have those two, I just put other and leave, leave it at that. But you know why the U.S. does that? Because I because they want to annoy me and make my it, form feeling much my, longer and complicated. No, so that's it's, my theory.
0: It's for supposed uh, benefits to those communities that they are categorizing, right? It's supposedly because they have positive programs where they're trying to diversify. For example, who gets accepted to university? So
1: what? What about my son? What does he write? I
0: I have no idea. Right? Because no. he could write. Well, there's not going to be one for Scandinavian. I reckon. Well, it's right? because the Scandinavians are not an underprivileged class in the U.S.
1: Yeah, but still, it's so they don't You're classify, you So he could put down the Scandinavian. I guess he could put down Latin or Hispanic or Mediterranean. So,
0: which one does he play? But he was born in England, so he's English. Well, clearly, so, he should become what whatever it? one is going to give him preferential treatment. In this case, he should choose to be Hispanic. And but that a scholarship makes no sense. To to well,
1: but that that makes very little sense. I mean, he's, I mean, hopefully, going to have good grades. So, I mean, that should be the. Well, case. no. So,
0: my my argument often has been that you know we we probably would be better off uh, trying to get a, a handle on kind of economic disparities mm-hmm. because in the end, part of what we're trying to correct for in the United States. Isn't addressed at all, which is an economic underclass, right? Yeah. And there's nothing on the form that is, you know, privileging you for coming from uh, an economically disadvantaged area. Yeah. Uh, but rather it's trying to use, you know, ethnicity or class as or, or race as a substitute. Yeah, but again, it's totally problematic. I don't think I have an answer for it, but I'm yeah. just telling you that's that's where it comes from. And you know, on the opposite side of how you're feeling about it, the you know the very conservatives in the United States would hear this conversation and say, "Damn straight, you shouldn't have any races on there because we don't want any you know damn preferential treatment yeah, for these, it, for it, these people." It. I think there, I think there has to be a way.
1: To, to do that and there has to be a way to assess things that are fair and there has to be a way to look at universities or a workplace uh, statistics and say, yeah, these people are all from the same place. It's like, I mean, I think what one very interesting is in England, if you go to any high office place in parliament or any of the ministries, you will see that pretty much everyone went to the same secondary school. Mm. Okay, And that's not because that secondary school is particularly good at producing people that go to government, mm-hmm. but rather because of, you know, nepotism. Well, it, so, well, you know, I guess it makes sense. It's you know? a
0: couple of things. It's nepotism, obviously. It's also, though, I think, I, w- to be fair, this, this idea of shorthand actually has, you know, some value to it. There's a benefit to it for humans. That's why we do it. Because... Yeah, it's really challenging to make decisions based on complete information to find out everything that there is to know. I mean, as we admitted earlier, we do this classification for all kinds of things. Nah. And so I don't know that we're ever going to solve the problem of people naturally trying to classify. I, I argue that, you know, that's, that's, uh, if humans are an animal, that's, our, that's one of our traits as nah. an animal. You know, we classify. That's what we do. But... You know, it's not always, uh, as I said, benign, and it's not always useful, and it can lead to a lot of, of groups feeling like outsiders. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's very much true. Yeah. Um, but, for example, you're certainly uh, not uh, guiltless in this whole thing. I think, seem to recall the other day I was going out to a, uh, a Norwegian get-together, an evening get-together... And I was asking, you came over, I said, hey, what should I wear to this? I have no idea how Norwegians would dress at a fancy <laughs> dinner. And What did you tell me? What did you tell me I looked like? I was already dressed in what I thought was appropriate clothes. Well, and, and just for the record, it was appropriate. I mean, it's, it
1: was appropriate, but I must say, I admit, uh, when, as soon as I saw him, the first thing I said is, well, you look American. Uh-huh, and I uh, don't use that look, term lightly. You I look American. Comment. Yeah, you did. I what mean, what did
0: I look like? You look
1: America? well. You look kind of like what? Well, kind of like you're dressed now, actually. Yeah, yeah what, is kind of like, what, is what is it
0: that's so American? I don't know. Like, it like,
1: kind of reminds me of watching Smallville, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like Smallville. it's something about. You see, I'm like Clark Kent. Well, you wish you were. No,
0: <laughs> at it's least the at least muscles. an extra in the film. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's something about the mix of plaid shirt. And jeans that go all the way to the waist. Now wait a uh, minute, my difference. shirts untucked.
0: You don't know where my jean tops oh, are. Right? Yeah, I'm, sure are yeah, no. I'm sure they are. Yeah, I'm sure they are. They are. Well, actually,
1: no, those are oh, quite oh, low. Are <laughs> low. Are those good. are quite low. Yeah, those are all right. Yeah, I but just,
0: still, still, they just look. Like something you At that point, an American. Person I, had, that had. I had a massive beard. Yeah. I was wearing brown leather boots that were fairly nondescript. I was wearing yeah. jeans and like a button up plaid shirt. But that was enough that I and I assume that Norwegians also would have felt the same way. That it would have eh. been fairly obvious looking well, to me to say this I, guy looks like he's an American. I don't
1: know if that's true. I mean Norwegians are pretty simple when it comes to dressing up. fine. Well
0: no, but they I think it's funny, because any time that I wear a Norwegian article of clothing, like, yeah. say, for example, a jacket that I have that's made by a Norwegian company, yeah. my colleagues are very quick to say, oh, look, you're wearing something Norwegian. <laughs> <Like> they, <laughs> they notice it immediately, and they yeah. do uh,
1: yeah. there's like there's, there, there, I think Norwegians are pretty particular. I think Norwegians dress better when they go out to walk in the woods than when they go out for... For a night in the city, for example. (laughs) I mean, of course, you have hipsters like you have in every city, but in general, I think Norwegians pay a lot more attention to their sportswear and they have a lot more high-quality, good visibility-type clothes. So, you know, there's lots of brands in Norway about that as well. I mean, if you look at the amount of brands about, you know, dress clothes in Norway and the amount of brands of sportswear, You'll see that there's a lot more. Exactly. So more it's actually, so it's,
0: again, it's not so much that they don't care. It's that they have a different set of values around yeah. it. So, yeah. for example, I was going to present at a conference here in Norway um, representing, you know, the, the government that I work with. And I asked somebody, okay, is this the kind of thing I wear a suit to? Because they very much are, like, anti-dressing up, yeah. right? Yeah. A suit and tie is not a thing that is hardly ever worn here in Norway, but I asked, I'm presenting at this, you know, uh, academic conference, It's there's going to be people from all over the world there, it's at a university, um, should I be dressing up in a suit and tie? Oh, I, of course not, absolutely no, I, not. No. no, if you if you did that, it would look like you were compensating. <laughs> it would look like you as a young guy, you're trying to look smarter than you are, definitely uh, don't wear a tie. You can probably get away with having a suit jacket easy, and an open shirt. Easy. In England,
1: you would probably wear a suit for pretty much anything, yeah. you know, because that's just how it's, what is expected. But at the same time, let me tell you, there was this one guy that applied for an interview at a job we had, and he looked just so professional. And I remember my boss, my boss hired him and everything, and after one day... At the middle of the day he just got up and left and we never <laughs> saw him again. And I remember my you boss... Were hypnotized by the suit. But it was not me, because it was a different department. But I remember my boss, he, he's from Iran, and he was like, he looks so smart in his <laughs> suit. You know? So on that day, I decided, if I ever have a company, all my interviews, I'm going to make the interviewees wear a white shirt and jeans, just so I, I don't fall for the suit trick. Uh-huh. But yeah, I was I had the same issue. Like, I was going to a job interview quite recently, and I asked beforehand, so what do I, just to make sure, what do I wear? And they told me, do not wear a suit and tie, because that's just too much. But I couldn't. I just couldn't not, I could not wear a suit. Because to me, going mm-hmm. to... You see, to me in a job interview, I had to
0: look my best. I know. Because exactly. I'm probably not
1: going to look my best when I go to work. I
0: know, but that's the very, so, you know. the very same thing in the United States. When I interviewed for my job here, I was interviewing over Skype. Yeah. It was a video conference. And I was actually in my basement. And I was wearing, you know, pajama bottoms on, on the bottom. But I put on a shirt and tie and jacket yeah. in order to be seen on Skype. Yeah, of course. To be seen nice. But, of course, the my boss interviewing me and the other people on the panel, none of them were dressed like yeah, they, yeah. You know, For them, they were like, oh, look at this American wearing a suit.
1: <laughs> in the end, I compromised and I took out the ties. So I, You did. So, my entry was just a suit and well, a shirt without so a tie. that's become uh.
0: my go-to uniform of fancy. In right. Norway. If it's uh. fancy, I'm going to wear an open-neck, you know, unbuttoned shirt and uh, a suit jacket. Yeah, but then you have Christmas and 17th of oh. May. well, now that's right? a totally different story. And then
1: if you don't wear, like, a tuxedo and some gold yes. and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't look like you yeah. just came out of Armani, you're doing it wrong.
0: Well, it's fascinating. Um, so, I mean, we can totally go down the rabbit hole on clothing. Maybe we should save some of these. <laughs> we should try so We can invite yeah. Deva. Yeah, in yeah. fact, that would be perfect. Yeah, we yeah. can invite your your wife who works with clothing. So let's let's maybe save a bit of this topic, but but kind of close it out on the thought that you know, the way someone looks. Uh, And the way that people treat you because of how you look is a real issue. It really does happen, and it really does matter. It's happened to me, um, which, you know, growing up a conservative person in the western United States, I would have made the same argument as a kid that "Eh, racism doesn't exist. It's just, you know, it's over. People don't do that kind of thing anymore. And, of course, I was very naive. Um, I've experienced it a lot of places that I've been. Everywhere that I go that I don't look like the norm, people will comment on it constantly. And yeah. so now I have a better appreciation and understanding for people that, you know, they don't fit in with the, the majority class or, or maturity group. And, you know, it becomes such an identifying characteristic for you because people talk about it all the yeah. time. They I, think you look different.
1: Yeah, you do. And you know, and people get treated different because yeah. they look different or because they are from a different place or because they they behave in a different way. And, you know, it's how we are. It's how humans are. Whether we are part of the or where we are part of the majority and we judge other people because they look different or we have different assumptions of people because they look different or we are part of the minority and we are being, we are all part of it. So I think it's important to try to, you know, well, it's, there's very it's very hard for us to do something about it to eradicate it. But I think the more people think about it and are aware of the fact that there is a difference and that there is a bias, then we, we can act in a different way and kind of, make it less of a thing
0: essentially yeah i think that's very important so uh we are going to talk now about uh an opinion on scandinavia that uh that i kind of grew up with and was uh you know i was a bit wrong about as i was moving here so it's interesting uh where i'm from in the united states if you if you asked kind of prevailing thoughts on uh western europe on scandinavia perhaps in particular um you know describe this part of the world one of the key things that they would talk about is uh, um, kind of a, a more lax morality, like a, uh-huh. a, a, you know, a salacious kind of view of this part of the world, that they, they're not inhibited sexually at all, that there'll mm-hmm. be naked people everywhere, and that you know, there's pornography in the stores, and there's, there's nudity on TV, and this is, this is kind of the way that the general assumption yeah, is that okay. Western Europe is very, very open in this sense. And so I came here thinking a bit like this. I don't know, does, did you, coming from your way, have any of the same sense I, at all? I think it depends on what you compare it to. I mean, I, think, I do think some,
1: I mean, here you will have a full frontal nudity on a newspaper, and no one will bats an eye, for example. I mean, so you know, in, in a sense, that is but, true. But
0: were you raised thinking that in Uruguay? If you asked somebody, you know, describe uh, Sweden to me, would that be their response? Would they? Think I think that? they would
1: probably be confused with Switzerland,
0: <laughs> because in Spanish, Suecia y Suiza <laughs> yeah, sound pretty much the same. It is it so be that's be probably confusing. the main yeah. thing that they would
1: do. <laughs> so
0: growing up in the US, though, this this very much was a, a thing that, that I was taught and that I thought. And so moving here, actually, I'm I'm a bit embarrassed to say I completely expected it to kind of be that way. Uh, but as you're saying. It's it's really so. What you're saying is you wanted more porn. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) It's not so much that I wanted it. I just thought it (laughs) would be that way. But I'm. I was actually. I've been really interested to find out. So, kind of our first experience of learning differently was uh, was my wife going uh, on a on a an outing with uh, some some Norwegians and the children. They went into the woods. And uh, the kids started to, to get into the water to go swimming and stuff, and one of the adults decided that they also wanted to go swimming, and it was a woman, and she, she changed into her swimming suit right there. She, you know, kind of went off to the side, but she changed into her swimming suit, didn't make great efforts to hide uh. the fact that she was changing into her swimming suit. And, you know, my wife was a little surprised at this. this not, <laughs> in, the, in the U.S., this would not be normal behavior to, you know, be with a group of adults you don't know very well and children around, and, you know, you drop your clothes and change. Uh. Um, well, so, so that was a bit shocking but, but We got to talking about it And thinking about it And we've You know The difference is There's a significant difference Between the way that they treat Nudity here in the in Norway And the way they would in the US
1: I think I, th- I think the main point is that the, the the assumption that Nudity equals sexuality And I think absolutely. that That's the difference Absolutely I mean, uh, if, When I went to the beach in Spain It was quite common You just wrap yourself in a towel Just kind of change there and then And that's it You yeah. know and, and that's not an issue, because you're not expected that to be a sexual thing. It's just expected to be a human body, you know? Yes, yeah. so in the, in the U.S.,
0: I, I totally agree, uh, nudity is, is hyper-sexualized. It's mm-hmm. as if, you know, everything, in fact, it's not even just nudity. It's the, the female form in particular, mm-hmm. but it's anything related to advertising or media. I mean, every depiction of a person has to be sexualized to its fullest extent. And yeah. it's, you know, it's very much about that. Whereas here in Norway, they treat the human body as a much more just kind of common thing, that we all have one, yeah. it's not that big a deal. We do all have one, right? We all have one, <laughs> Yeah, it's not that big a deal. And so we were, for example, we were we were just at uh, the lake that's near to us here um, on, uh, I don't know, Friday or Saturday, going on a walk with the kids around the lake. It's a very uh, visited lake. There were hundreds of people on the trail around the lake. And the, the water has really just uh, melted. It, it used to be frozen over until recently. And we went out onto the dock, and we were sitting there, kind of skipping rocks. And there was a guy that was uh, working himself up to, to jump in. Yeah. Which, first of all, we can talk later about the cultural craziness. Of jumping, jumping into, into it, this, nearly freezing, yeah, nearly water, frozen yeah. water. Let's not but, do that. But aside from that, uh, this guy, after he got done jumping in and freezing, got out and uh, took off his swimming suit and dried himself. So he was naked, standing there, dried himself, and then got into his clothes. And, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm not shocked about it at all. My kids were sitting right there. I mean, we were probably 10 feet from the guy. In the U.S., if this guy had done that, he might get arrested and <laughs> stamped as, you know, some kind of uh, Sexual sex, sex criminal. Or something. Yes. Yeah, but it was such a matter-of-fact thing. He was, you know, in a wet swimsuit. It was cold outside. He was going to change into his clothes to hike home, and there's nothing unusual about that. And now I'm actually, you know, seven or eight months into my journey in Norway. I think... I really hope my kids pick up on the way that they treat the human body here. It's very different and more healthy than the way that we th- do it in the U.S. I think
1: you can see it a lot in the way media that comes from the U.S. is. like If you look at whenever there's an adaptation of a series uh, from, from Europe into the U.S., you can see the type of actors that go into different roles. Like i've like the type of people that in in the u s in the u k version of something would be very plain looking very normal in the u s version they're wearing really tight clothes lots of cleavage, very sexualized you know and I think it's very important to to remember the difference you know people nudity does not mean sexual, and I think that's that's the main message that yeah. that, that we that we get over here
0: yeah and so i and I think it's really healthy i mean I think you know the my my daughter has struggled all year long because as uh, in the the fourth grade, they're expected to to do gym class, uh. and then they're expected to shower. Um, and you know, all the Norwegian kids have no problem with this; they don't mind taking a shower. But my daughter is very nervous about you know <laughs> taking a shower in front of the other kids. Um, and I, I, actually, I hope that this rubs off on her a bit because I, I think it is a really kind of an unhealthy thing that we we. We, you know, uh, make this fantasize big mystery about, yeah, about this the human body when it doesn't need to be so much. So
1: I think it, the more you mystify it and you make it this really hidden and dangerous and, you know, forbidden thing, the worse it gets. I yeah. mean, you, this thing kind of thing needs to be natural. Okay, you know? right. before we wrap this up, I think it's, uh, it's important to remember what's been happening during this weekend. Uh, there's been a massive earthquake hitting Nepal. And there's lots of people currently being evacuated, and there's more than 4,000 4, people dead. Uh, uh, at least that's what was being reported. So I think it's it's important that all, for us to have sort of a a big uh, a big group of people are listening to this that we will
0: pass this message along, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and we were talking beforehand. What's the the best way uh, to try to to you know provide some support to to the, the the people that are helping over there? The the international community that's trying to. To uh, assist Nepal, and we've talked about the local uh, Nepalese community here in Norway is recommending that we uh, donate to the Red Cross. That's right. I mean, I figured who best to talk about what is best to do in this situation that the people
1: are actually connected to it. So I was talking to Nesco, which is the Nepalese student community in Oslo, and they're recommending everyone to donate to the Red Cross. So if you're listening to us from Norway, uh, you can contribute 250 kroner by texting NEPAL to the number 2272. That's here in Norway.
0: Okay, And then, of course, if you're anywhere else, um, just go to the Red Cross website, redcross.org, and they very prominently have an option to donate now where you can choose to just donate online using a credit card. It's a very simple transaction. You could use PayPal. You could use other methods. But it's, uh, it's really straightforward and simple. I work in uh, relief um, in some extent in public health, and uh, I'm often told uh, by people that, that do this kind of uh, disaster response. That the best assistance they can receive are funds, are not donated goods, are not, you know, people's time, because as it turns out, they usually have enough people, they usually, you know, want to be able to purchase specific items, and donated goods are a huge hassle, so, so go for, go for funds, um, redcross.org is a place to go, there are a bunch of others, we, we don't want to give just preferential treatment to Red Cross, but But check it out. Look online who you are most comfortable with. You can uh, maybe look at uh, Charity Navigator, or one of these sites that uh, ranks the different uh, charitable organizations based on what percentage of your funding goes Mm -hmm. to actual implementation but uh highly uh, encourage you to do so it's a it's a really tough time for nepal um and uh we think it would be great to 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 support uh, all the efforts to to helping out there
1: you know just check, just check with your local nepalese community i'm sure that wherever you live there's got to be someone from nepal so you know ask them see what they're doing and just kind of yes. go along with that
0: so that was that was I think our uh, our last topic for the day. We thanks f- thank you for uh sticking with us this long. Thank you very much. Now yeah, we really appreciate it. And uh, the the music that you're listening to now taking us out this is from uh, Ben Shepherd from the That's uh, C U R R A N T like the fruit berry what There is means? a berry that's called blackcurrant. I, I still haven't tried it. Uh, i need I to make you try it. Oh, we'll I think I have this. some uh blackcurrant juice in. All right, we'll have to yeah. take a look. All right, well thank you everybody and we'll Thank see you very next much. Time. See you next.